This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast designed and produced specifically for Florida small business owners and entrepreneurs. Small Biz Florida, talk that works for Florida. This podcast is supported by the Florida SBDC Network, providing the tools, strategies, and expertise to help Florida's business community thrive. Visit the Florida SBDC online at www.floridasbdc.org or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast and broadcast. It's all things business across the state of Florida. And if you've been tuning in lately, you know that Small Biz Florida has been on the road. We are at the JMI Small Business Leadership Conference over in Kissimmee, Florida at the beautiful JW Marriott. Uh, As we normally do many times, we've got our good friend and standout business school professor, Dr. Herb Ricardo, serving as co-host. Dr. Ricardo, uh, thanks for joining us and serving with us. Tom, it's great to be here, as always. Appreciate that. We've also got sitting in with us on this uh, segment of Small Biz Florida, executive producer Katie Muldoon. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. for Always happy to join. Thank you for all the work you've been doing and putting all these interviews together at the JMI conference. Thank you for hosting. Uh, Absolutely. It's what I do. So, uh, listen, incredible guest right now. A keynote speaker for the conference. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. I- I'm going to tell you, though, it's not going to be near as good as our presentation was uh, here at JMI. I-, I had the opportunity to sit in, uh, really enjoyed every minute of it. Great, great advice. Uh, great forward thinking. Uh, we've got with us Dr. Angela Jackson. Uh, Dr. Jackson, welcome to Small Biz Florida. Thank you so much for having me, Tom and Dr. Ricardo. Excited to be here. Yes. Uh, Dr. Angela Jackson is the founder of Future Forward Strategies, a labor market intelligence, design thinking, and strategic firm that assists leaders with transforming organizations and human capital infrastructure necessary for public, private, and nonprofit organizations to maintain their competitiveness while creating positive impact. And uh, Dr. Jackson, really, really, you know, um, strong uh, presentation today about what is such an important topic right now uh, for all small to medium-sized enterprises is that is labor force. Uh, recruiting, retaining uh, employees and, and retaining talent. And what I really loved about your presentation was is that that, that you're talking what, what all businesses should be talking and that's being innovative in how we're dealing with today's workforce. Did, did I did I summarize that pretty good? No, you summarized it <laughs> perfectly. You know, we yeah. are, you know, I think a lot about Tom that we're in uncharted times really. And you know, you're teaching business school students, Dr. Ricardo. It's like the playbook that we had in some ways, it has to be reimagined, right? For the moment that we are in now as business owners and how do we tap into resources in a different way? How do we leverage them in a different way? And how do we think about scaling and success in a different way, right? So right. we're we're actually creating real time a new playbook for us. There's some tried and true things that will continue to work, right. but there will be need to be some shifts that are happening. So glad that we're talking about resources, small businesses, because you know a lot of small business owners they have their head down. They're building their business, they're yeah. growing their business. Sometimes the luxury to sit back and think about trends, right? Um, but it's necessary in this moment because there's a book out there that said what got you here won't get you there. 
And so this is a perfect time for a pause to reimagine what does it mean to be a small and medium-sized business? What will it mean to be success in 2022 and beyond? Now, you are a uh, professor at Harvard University Graduate School uh, in, uh, in the School of Education. So uh, giving a presentation like you did today is second nature for you, but you really did a great job. And, and I got to tell you, uh, I'd love to, to kind of have you go through the, uh, you know, just the high level view of what you talked about today, the five trends in, in today's labor force. Yeah, I'm glad you said Harvard University. You know, one thing is I just want to state, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Illinois, and I know that it is a privilege to have gone to Harvard. It's a privilege to go to a four-year institution. And I feel like these trends are things that business owners need, whether they've gone to business school and beyond, right? We need to make those accessible because small businesses are really the backbone and engine of our company. So our country, so it's, it's really my pleasure to actually share those trends with the small and medium-sized business owners who, who really took time out to come to this conference during a very trying time. So when I looked at those trends and I was talking to the audience, I said, these are five trends that you should be thinking about. Now, trends are trends. You don't have to take every single trend as the gospel, but you really need to think about how you account for them, right? How they would impact your business or not impact your business and really understand the reason why, right? And so the five trends that I share today were the first was around reimagining benefits. Benefits are, are huge. What do we offer for employees? How do we retain them? How do we support them and protect them as owners? The second trend was around thinking about talent as a service. So what are we doing around talent? You know, we had a couple of business owners in the audience today that said, you know, we are having hiring shortages as many businesses, small and large are experiencing. So what do we do when we need to run our business, but we don't have enough employees to do it? The third one that we were looking at is the rise of employee power, which, you know, some folks talk about as negative, which I see as neutral. I really believe that's neutral right. if you understand Absolutely. and plan for it. The fourth trend is thinking about the metaverse that we hear so much about with Facebook, meta, right. meta, meta, but really thinking about how that could be leveraged by small businesses as an asset, as an opportunity and potential. And then the last one is a trend that I want to hit upon because it's so important. It's around jobs first, higher education. And we can get into all of these trends, but you know, just the top line when you're thinking about jobs versus education, how do we create opportunities for entry-level workers, uh, students who are graduating to try out jobs first before they commit the rest of their lives to maybe studying for a four-year degree or to a career that they know little about and have little actual experience with? And how can small and medium-sized business owners give an opportunity for people to try on careers for size without making, you know, a six-figure financial commitment? Wow. Uh, again, uh, I know um, our time is limited. Uh, there's obviously... Um, Folks can do their Googling and search you up and look, look at all the details. But let's, I want to quickly hit on a couple, and I'm sure Katie and Dr. Ricardo have a couple questions too. But let's start with that very first one because it is, um, I think that's one where I, th I think a business can, can have a great impact in, in an easy, quick, efficient way. It's benefits. And you talked about, you know, the 401ks, the health insurance. I loved how you put it. Those are great benefits. For, for my generation, you know, we said, man, we're lucky to have these things, but 
you said you got to meet your your team members and employees where they are. Maybe that's not what's important to them. Kind of talk about that that concept and how you can react and, and pivot on these benefits. Yeah. So the, the whole concept of reimagining benefits stemmed from my research with lower wage hourly workers and really understanding what were their motivations to stay attached in the workforce. So I interviewed over 100 working learners who had barriers to employment. So some of them were independent parents, people who had been formerly incarcerated, people who had other caregiving responsibilities, and really want to understand from them what are their motivations in engaging in the labor market. What do they want? What's important to them? I knew what was important to me. You know, I did want a 401k. I do appreciate a flexible spending account. But when I talked to more and more of these workers and understanding their motivations, I found that they were very different than mine. And historically, I think what we as society has said people should want and strive for. Um, I heard from independent parents saying that they wanted more flexibility. They wanted their employer to acknowledge that they had this child care responsibilities. They wanted help paying for that child care responsibility right. because when school is out unexpectedly as it had sure. been and teachers are out, they can't go to work. Right. <laughs> That's what they're using. And they are right. actually having additional costs, burden for doing that and showing up at work. You know, I told the, the story of one worker who had been an exemplar employee and all of a sudden he starts showing up late to work. And the employer was just perplexed because they, and they had sat him down and said, look, if you're late one more time, you've been late two times, we're gonna have to write you up and eventually we might have to part ways. What that employer didn't realize is this man's car had broken down and that he had been spending 90 minutes to two hours taking local buses that aren't great in many cities across this right. country right. to get to work. And the only way that this manager found out is that she saw this employee doing a 50 yard dash run to get right. to the building so he wouldn't be late again. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I've heard discussed is millennials, you know, now in the workplace. And I've heard the concept that many millennials would love to have Fridays off. They'd love that the four tens. Is that kind of uh, uh, another concept? Like you could see an em employer saying, here's a benefit. We're going to go to four tens. Is that is that what, what you're leading to and really reviewing benefits? And Yeah, so when I think about reimagining benefits, just picking up the last story I was telling, is just really understanding people's circumstances. For the guy who was sprinting into work, he could have used a cash advance, and a lot of employers are looking at emergency cash benefits that can be paid back through right. a payroll deduction, yeah. right? That helps a trusted employee who's had an exemplar record to help them in that moment, right? So they can get back on their feet and actually succeed. And and the other data point you brought up to that point was the uh, the, the data point about the, the typical family can't afford a $500 shock. I, I, that, that's a great, great point to, to where a lot of our working class and middle class families are. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know about how you were raised. I was raised professionally. Like whatever was going at home, you didn't tell anyone. You just come in, you get your job done. And that was fine, but we know that that's not sustainable anymore. It's not right. too many people out of the workforce. You know, I shared that there's two million fewer women in the workforce, fewer women in the workforce than there was pre-pandemic. It just didn't work. It never worked, but it certainly doesn't work when you're in the middle of a pandemic and an endemic. So how do we think about benefits, acknowledging people's outside circumstances that can inhibit them from work? Yeah, yeah uh, great. Um, actually, terrific, terrific. I I'm going to um, 
try to pick your brain on this one this idea of future trends. And uh, one of the things that uh, my colleagues and I have um, constantly been talking about for the last year, um, that is uh, remote versus face-to-face innovation and creativity. Because we know that you need um, a group of people around the workplace or whatever to bounce things off of them or whatever. But now if they're at home um, versus in, in, a, in an office setting or in an environment, um, what do you see moving forward are going to be some of our trends regarding remote work? So you will have companies, and we just heard, right? I think Elon Musk said, if you don't come back to Tesla and come to work, you won't have a job. And you'll see companies that will take a hard line, right? right that. Right. Other companies who want to be a bit more competitive will have more flexibility. Even with remote work, I think we should think about why are we asking people to come into the office and being really intentional about why we want them there and explaining on what that benefit is. Not just to be there so I can see that you're working. We've already proved that people can work remote and production hasn't gone down. So we really need to explain and actually make it an incentive for people to come in. How do you create a place where people do want to come in for that day, two days, four days a week? And again, that's being creative versus business as usual. Right. You must do it because I told you to do it. Right. No, we're creating an environment where people want to come in and learn to be mentored, to have co-working right. time and be creative. Maybe it's a brainstorm that we're doing, but you're being really intentional about why you're bringing people in and what they can get that they can't get if they're at home. Right. And that's actually the keyword that I wrote down was incentive. What are those incentives that companies are, are giving to their employees to come back into the office? And um, I had written down here the word pet because I saw it on your presentation. And I thought it was interesting that you were the second person I heard about that benefit from this week. Um, we were in Tom and I were yeah. in a meeting the other day with somebody and they were talking about a, a benefit, a perk for coming to the offices, having a bring your pet to work day one day a week or something like that. And I think that is a standout example of an incentive that would get a millennial aged person to come into the office versus working from home. That's exactly it. You know, and we've heard this beef for years, right? You have single people who don't have kids. They feel like parents are getting preferential treatment until they have kids and they'll probably understand why. <laughs> That's me. Right? Doesn't take long, yes. <laughs> but, but until they do, right? How do we acknowledge that some people like their pet is their companion? It is like a child of them. It's an important person in their family. And how do we acknowledge that? And again, right. it's small ways that don't really cost much. Right. So or if you're in an environment where someone can bring their pet in, right? If not, can you give them a small gift card or a bonus and really understand that if they're coming to the office, someone has to be home work walking the dog or, or caring for the pet. How do you acknowledge that is? And that goes back to when we say millennials, you know, this is a generation who want and are demanding to be seen. They're not going to put their nose down. They're not trying to strive to get the next job. That's not really, there's some, some of their motivations, but not all of them. So how do we as employers appeal to this newer generation that's not going to do, just do it because I said, or just do it because you're going to get rich and, you know, insert you're number so right. Yeah, no, that is absolutely terrific. And, and I want to hit on one of your other points, and that is because I'm a professor, you're a professor too, um, education, education um, as a benefit and how... Um, organizations need to look at education and training as long term, not as just training for this particular moment, for this particular task, but actually training for continuous 
right? Is, is that is that how that's you exactly it? it? You know, a couple of years ago, the Joyce Foundation and the Annie Casey Foundation did a research report where they went out to businesses to understand how much they were spending on training. It won't be surprising to anyone listening that over 80 percent of those professional development dollars were spent on their highest wage earners. People who are middle management or entry level positions got, received little to no training. It was mostly on safety and compliance. And so when you've got the stat that I showed that most people trust their employers, that they expect that their employer is going to train them, how do we meet that expectation and how do we do it in a way that it might not be another cost? And, you know, a lot of folks now are saying, oh, we've got to send people back to college like Amazon or Starbucks is doing. You actually don't have to do that. There are training opportunities in your jobs right now. Open positions are a prime example of a training opportunity for someone who's ready to apprentice, to learn through the job. So really thinking about as small businesses being creative, how can we offer those benefits, real tangible benefits to people that may not cost you anything to train someone who's been a really good employee for the next one up, giving someone a chance to actually prove themselves, which will also help training them, but will help with retention. Right. Very good. Uh, and I, I, I want to talk about your your the, the last trend you brought up. It, really, again, high level thinking here, but kind of take us on a little deeper dive into the the education. Uh, the, you know, where a student actually learns about the job before they commit to the education. That talk about innovative thinking. I mean that truly is thinking way outside the box. How, how do you see that working? Well, there's a couple of ways. One is we've always known it was true. People would go to college, they'd get a degree, and then they'd go off and do something completely different. Right. Right. You know, and when college was affordable, somewhat affordable, <laughs> that was fine to have that okay. luxury, sure, right? right? It was okay. Absolutely. But yeah. now when you've got kids coming out with six figures in debt and they're not getting a job in their the profession they've studied for, right. you know, sometimes I believe it's almost criminal, right? Like right. there's not good guidance there. And how can we do better at that? And so this whole idea of a jobs first model is how do you come out of high school or even come out of college and maybe apprentice? Take a job and learn on the job, whether instead of going right out of high school into a four year institution, could you work at a small or medium sized business and earn college credit for the job that you're doing while you figure it out? And so there are institutions who are worked out the logistics of that because you say, well, how do you do that? How do you get credit? And what does that mean? You know, the one that I referenced in my presentation was crafted. Um, They work with an accrediting agency. So as if you are an employer, you detail them for what the job is. And they align that with higher uh, academy standards so that someone can get actually college credits that they can use to transfer into a community college or to a four-year institution. But they also have some work experience under their belt. They they get to try it and see if they actually like it before they make a six-figure investment to keep them in debt, that could keep them in debt for the rest of their life, which is unfortunate. Incredible concept. And I guess... For me, while while we have access to, to your your knowledge, your uh, you know your high level thinking here, your vision, um, tell us where do you see all this going? I mean, where do you see workforce going uh, over the next five to ten years? Yeah. So when I when I think about where workforce is going, and you know, I mentioned this the stat that you know the person has been born today that will 
live to be 150 right. years old. You know, that person's on earth is what researchers say. Um, but we've already seen that more people are having more and more career transitions. You know, the way that our current workforce system is set up in this country is that we really don't help people with that. Even starting in high school, most high schools have one guidance counselor for 400 students. Exactly. So, right. So where do you go <laughs> for good guidance? Right. Yeah, and that yeah. means that we're in absence of that. We're susceptible to right. advertisements and to fancy, you know, marketing ploys. So one is the trend is we have to get better at guidance for people who are coming out of school. I think that business uniquely business owners play can play that role and are are needed and necessary. It helps not only this next generation of talent that's coming out, but also helps us as we're looking to retain employees. I think we're going to see more of that. I think you're going to see people more and more stepping away from higher education because they don't see a path on where it's going to pay for itself in the jobs. I think that you will see more millennials who are trying to find their purpose. And I'm sure, Dr. Ricardo, you've heard of this, where even, you know, kids who are coming out working in the tech industry, they're like, OK, I'm going to work for five or seven years and I'm going to retire and go work on a farm. That's like right. we've seen it more and Absolutely. more because money is not the motivation, especially this year after we've watched over a million people die in this country. You know, we're all thinking about our mortality. We're all thinking about purpose. So business owners who are not keying into that, not treating people as human, not thinking about the purpose on what they're doing, it's going to be hard for them to be competitive. Dr. Jackson, um, that was so good. It was so powerful to see that slide that you had, um, business as human. Um, we've always looked at business as a separate entity, um, as something as tangible as money, as things, as acquiring, and you brought the human side to it. And I think if we do that, then you clearly have that really good connection between the employee, the consumer, and the business itself, right? And you, yes. and, and you work all together and work well. I think that's important too. And um, there's so much citizen journalism. If you're not doing the right thing anymore, you will be called to task for it, right? And so why even yeah. wait for that? It's just easier to do the right thing. Right. You know, you've got more and more customers who are voting with their dollars, yeah. who are basically, you know, spending according to their values. So again, you could look at that as, oh, we should be afraid, or I look at it as that's a great opportunity, right? Yeah. To really live out your values. You have more customers who want to support small and medium-sized businesses. So let's give them a reason to do so. You know, the a local restaurant in my uh, neighborhood, they have this employee ownership program that I mentioned in my presentation. I try to spend money there regularly. I know that the people there are making a living wage. I know that when I, if I have a choice of, you know, frequenting them or somewhere else, I'm going there. That's right. Because I want to keep them in the neighborhood. I want to keep them employing people and treating them as human. And so, again, we, we've got to discount some of those old business things that we grow up, you know, the competition that's out there and how do I best the next person, but really start focusing on what are our unique value propositions and how do we win with those, win customers, but also win that war for talent. Yeah. And, and everything you've talked about is truly a win-win. And I always go back to that concept is you got to kind of make things a win-win. And it really is. It's a win for the employer. They're, they're getting good talent. They're retaining talent. And the employees are getting a better workplace, better relationship. And the consumer is getting a, a more valuable uh, you know, business to deal with. So it truly is to, to implement some of these things while the employer may at first maybe look at some of these as hurdles or challenges. 
it really in the end is a win-win. Is that fair? Right. Is that a that's fair? A, that's absolutely fair. And I know that this podcast is all about resources that you didn't know. And Tom, I love this story you shared with me. You know, the resources you wish you had known about when you were a business. And, and I, I think I ask my team all the time, where were you people when I was in business? <laughs> that's right. exactly it. And I think there's an acknowledgement that we need partnerships and community to win as a small business, that no one is going to do it by themselves. So, you know, I really applaud what the Jim Moran Institute is doing. You know, I talked a lot earlier today about the workforce and the public workforce board system. There are dollars, federal dollars, state dollars, especially in this moment, when we're talking about stimulus dollars to actually help small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah. So being able to connect with those and, and understand right. how you leverage them. And the reason when I hit on the workforce board and career centers, they actually offer incentives for job seekers. So job seekers who need to more reattachment to the workforce, they'll offer transportation credits. Right. They offer care giving credits. They offer education credits. Why wouldn't our small businesses take advantage of those? Right. That's right. Yep. That's right. I Love couldn't it. agree more. And I think this conversation is so important. And, and before I know, uh, before we wrap with this episode, where could someone, a freshman in college or a high school student, what advice or recommendation would you give them to find those companies who are doing that training, you know, before you go into higher education and things like that? Is is there a platform? Should they look out for you? I know you mentioned Crafted earlier. How do how do they find them? Because as you mentioned, you know, there's one guidance counselor to 400 students. So yeah. what's their resource right now? Well, there are a couple of organizations that I really respect. One is people can absolutely, I am active on Twitter. And I try to answer every single message because I really do believe that by serving, that's how we all move forward. But the second thing is there's one organization I will name for people. It's called Career Karma. And I think that this site is brilliant because they are doing, in the absence of having that mentorship, they're offering personalized recommendations on jobs and upskilling opportunities that people can go to and upskill. Some of them cost, but some of them are free of charge. Okay. And then you actually have peers who are recommending them to you. There is another platform called JobCase. They call themselves the LinkedIn for the blue collar worker. The reason why I love them is not only are they offering jobs, but they actually offer a community that talks to things about how do you apply for unemployment insurance? How do you apply for the Pell Grant and other benefits? And again, we need, we all will need this over time as we change and transition careers. But these are two sites that are using the wisdom of the crowd and their experience to help each other and actually connect people. And I think in a time where lots of folks are feeling isolated, that we actually do need to tap into these job boards like Career Karma. Also, when thinking about job case and even the Small Business Institute, you know, I was blown away to find out a lot of their programs and resources are at no cost. Uh, right. So if anyone's not tapping into that, they absolutely should do it yesterday. That's a great point. Yep. Small Business Development Center, all of our mentoring, coaching, uh, business assistance are provided at no cost. Yeah. And, and again, I didn't know that. <laughs> neither, neither did I. And so I will be referring, you know, I advise many small business owners. I will advise them to tap into this because coming yeah. here, getting energized, making that connections, that gives them the energy to go back out, right, right. and fight right. the good fight. Dr. We Jackson, thank you yeah. so much. What yeah. a wealth of knowledge um, that you've been uh, giving us today. Yeah. Terrific. And how Excellent. can our listeners find you on Twitter? Yeah. So if they go to, you know, at uh, Dr. Angela. Jackson. They can find me there. I'm on Instagram. I also write monthly on Medium and regularly publish in Forbes and Fortune. They can find me there. 
And if there's something I missed, I want to give this invitation out. Please let me know. Is there something I'm talking about or a trend that you're seeing that I hadn't mentioned? You know, I'm always in the mindset of also learning. And this is where I get my best information and researcher from people who are actually doing the work, running small businesses and seeing what they're seeing. Yep. Perfect. Dr. Jackson, uh, you were worth the whole price of admission uh, at the uh, – and I won't mention that to any of the other speakers. <laughs> I, well, I'm going to listen, Tom, and if I hear it, I'm dialing in. That's right. Uh, listen, incredible uh, keynote presentation here at JMI. Uh, just can't say enough. But we appreciate you making the trip to Orlando to, to bring your uh, experience and share your knowledge and expertise uh, with the attendees here at JMI Small Business Leadership Conference. Conference. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Tom, Dr. Ricardo. Yep. Really appreciate yep. this and being and, in the community with you. And uh, and thank you for taking time out on Small Biz. We know it, it's it's kind of like the red carpet around you. So we gotta you you've got to move on. So um, we do appreciate your time here too. So uh, with that, this is Small Biz Florida coming to you from the JMI uh, Small Business Leadership Conference right here in Kissimmee, Florida at the beautiful GAW Marriott. Um, thanks again to Dr. Herbert Cardo and executive producer Katie Muldoon for joining us for this segment. And uh, stay tuned because there's more to come uh, from the JMI Conference. This is Small Biz Florida. This has been Small Biz Florida. Created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College. Named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence.